0: On the early morning of March 27, 1995, Maurizio Gucci was killed while walking into work. In a time when the Gucci family was considered fashion royalty and virtually untouchable in esteem and charm, the shocking murder of one of the family's young rising stars left the world reeling. Why would this young man, who seemed to be the next big thing in the fashion world, suddenly be killed while walking into work? Had he gotten into some gambling debt, pissed off the wrong people, what would cause this senseless tragedy? Well, what came later has gone down in history as one of the most astonishing stories in the realm of elite celebrities and tragedy. While the case of Maurizio Gucci stayed cold for two years, that all changed one cold evening. In the dead of the night, the head of police, Filippo Nini, received a call. This stranger's voice on the other side of the line requested a meeting with the police chief and used one simple line that convinced him to agree. I'm just going to say one name, Gucci. With one simple phone call from one anonymous informant, the case began to unravel. Soon the world would discover the staggering truth. Maurizio Gucci, the new head of the fashion empire had been assassinated by a hitman who was hired by none other than his ex-wife, Patricia Reggiani. Police found that the black widow, as the Italian press had grown to call her, had been repetitively found to complain about her husband after he had left her for another woman. As her hatred grew, she developed a plan and begged her friend to find someone to have her ex-husband killed. She hated him and wanted him dead. And if Ariyama could find someone to kill him, she would pay for it. Eventually, that's exactly what happened. The now infamous woman was eventually arrested and convicted for 29 years for the murder of her ex-husband. It wasn't until after she served 16 years and got out on good behavior that she finally admitted to the crime and told reporters in an interview that she had been asking everyone to kill an ex for her. Now, I'm sure it's just a coincidence that the murder also took place shortly after Maurizio had sold his shares to an investment group, ending the family tie to the Gucci brand. To this very day, no one named Gucci is involved in the fashion empire. This is a story that we've heard over and over and over again. The new movie, The House of Gucci, brought it back to light recently, thanks to Lady Gaga once again showing off her acting chops and atrociously bad accent, much to the family's disapproval. But this isn't all that there is to Gucci. While this may be their biggest story, their reign over the designer fashion world has not been without controversy. From racism to appropriation to downright stolen designs and labor abuse, The House of Gucci just can't seem to keep themselves out of the news. It may have you wondering: Is it really worth buying that belt anymore? I don't know. You tell me after this episode. You are not uh, in hiding because you are innocent. You are in hiding because you must have done something. It's true. Money cannot uh, buy happiness. This for sure. But anyway, it's better to uh, cry in Rolls Royce than to be happy in on a bicycle. That's for sure. Hello everyone and welcome to the Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati and today we will be talking about the illustrious, the infamous, the seemingly ever in style Gucci. While the $400 Gucci belt has taken the fashion world by storm in the last couple of years and the classic bags never appear to go out of fashion, the company and their honestly impressive ability to just consistently do the exact wrong thing for their customers, workers, and society as a whole seems to be the most reliable thing about them. While you pay hundreds of dollars to sport their fashionable styles and flash their elite and exclusive brand name, there's much more going on in the background and those expensive price tags don't seem to do much in the way of treating their employees with dignity and respect. Like seemingly every other major fashion brand, Gucci has employed the help of workers in China. Usually that doesn't end with those workers being protected and respected or the factory being monitored with a strict sense of security or safety. As it turns out, Gucci is no different. In the Chinese town of Shenzhen, workers at Gucci woke up before the sun had even hit the sky to conduct their inventory checks. At two or three in the morning, the workers stumble into the factory, grudgingly about to start their shift. While 10 hours of work was listed on their schedule, they were often forced to stay far longer, told they couldn't leave until about 10 p.m. This would have been acceptable or at least been bearable if they were offered some form of compensation for the extra hours of grueling and often unsafe labor. Instead, their overtime went unrecorded. The days were long and exhausting and every ounce of autonomy was seemingly stripped away from the employees. Five former employees claimed that nearly every aspect of their behavior was controlled while in the store. There were over 100 restrictions on their behavior. If they had to get a drink of water, they had to ask. If they had to go to the restroom, they had to ask. Do you remember how awful it was to raise your hand in high school to use the restroom? Do you still have to do that now? What about when a teacher said no and you had to wait for a more opportune and less disruptive time to go? I don't know about you, but that used to frustrate me to no end. And for most of us, we were lucky enough to escape that amount of regulation. In fact, that type of regulation is illegal in working conditions. Still, the multi-billion dollar company chose to allow this to happen anyway. No time of day while at work was on their own. No aspect of their behavior belonged to them. And as it turns out, the money they earned didn't belong to them either. After 16 items went missing from the store in 2009, over 70,000 won, about 11,000 US dollars, was subsequently subtracted from the employee's paycheck. Never mind the fact that these items were all insured, the employees still paid for it all the same. As the news of mistreatment of employees began to spread, Gucci's original response was to just stay quiet. While a PR team announced that they would investigate the case, no apology, compensation, or changes in structure were offered to ease their pain, their struggles, or their frustration. That is, until it got too big to ignore. Following the release of a letter from five former employees, the city government of Shenzhen swiftly swept in, announcing that they would be investigating the company. And wouldn't you know, that seemed to get Gucci's attention. They quickly changed their tune from an, aw, that's awful, too bad, bye Rocco, mentality to a Gucci does not and will not endorse or tolerate the alleged malpractices. It's crazy what a malpractice investigation will do to motivate someone to change their tone. Just one day after authorities announced the investigation, Gucci fired two of the managers and hired outside consultants in an attempt to fix the problem. Just a few weeks after the letter emerged, Gucci reached a settlement with the Shenzhen Federation of Trade Unions, though the exact amount has not been released to the public. While this case seemed to be handled quickly and relatively quietly, many of the other criticisms and controversies of the House of Gucci weren't going away so easily. They tried their best to weasel their way out of outrage in the most poised way possible. However, that's pretty hard to do when the company repetitively graces the runways with designs that reek of cultural appropriation. It's a little harder to claim that something's simply an innocent mistake when it happens almost every fashion week. There are a few things that fashion connoisseurs look forward to more than new items from their favorite brands being released. The thrill of Fashion Week, opening a Vogue magazine and seeing a new purse, hat, or shoes for sale that transform how the world sees fashion is one that countless people revel in. But that joy and anticipation are swiftly crushed when people see aspects of their culture or religion haphazardly placed on a model with a price tag that exceeds the price of rent. In 2018, Gucci did just that. As a model confidently walked down the runway in an exclusive Gucci fashion show, it wasn't hard to find what seemed amiss in his outfit. Right there on the top of the white model's head in the middle of a Milan fashion week was a bright blue turban. Then as more models, all of them white, started to appear, there were more. One casually stalked down the runway in something that looked incredibly similar to a hijab, again, in bright blue, while others wore bindis. If there had been only one grossly appropriated item on a white model, that may have been a mistake. But no, it seemed like the entire collection had been appropriated. People instantly started to slam the company for one, not showing the designs on any brown models and two, for just creating them in the first place. Even people in the industry reacted with outrage. A fashion photographer told Indy that when he saw the first piece, he thought he may have just been overreacting. But as the rest of the models began to appear, he realized that no, this was definitely not okay. He said, Gucci got to pick and choose from cultural imagery of all things that aligned to their fantasy narrative without any consequences, and then so easily put on white skin. What message does that send? That it's okay to wear a hijab if you're young, beautiful, rich, and white, but not if you're actually a Muslim or a person of color? But despite the widespread criticism, especially from Sikhs who widely deemed the design choice of the turban as disrespect, the company decided to just blatantly ignore this and continue on because apparently disrespecting a horrifically persecuted religion was no big deal. Just a few months after the fashion week, Nordstrom's website was updated with a new addition exclusively from Gucci named the Indie Full Turban. They advertised it with no mention of the culture it came from or the religious properties of the item. Instead, it was merely described as a gorgeously crafted turban that was ready to turn heads while keeping you in comfort as well as trademark style. Costing about 790 pounds or $900, the new fashion accessory was met with additional and near immediate attention from the Sikh coalition who tweeted. The Sikh turban is not just a fashion accessory, but it's also a sacred religious article of faith. We hope more can be done to recognize this critical context, Hashtag appropriation. Soon, the name would change on the Nordstrom site to full head wrap after apologizing to the Sikh coalition. But still, there was no change in the design and remarkably, it had sold out in just a few days because apparently cultural appropriation is still fucking popular among really rich people. Now, besides the obvious, or what I think would be obvious, disrespect of claiming a turban as merely a sweet and luxurious fashion accessory rather than a symbol of faith, there's the additional fact that this one simple item had the exact same look that Sikhs are attacked and killed over. Gucci ignored this and decided that turning a profit was the most important thing here. Wearing a turban in the Sikh religion is something that is held as an honor, a symbol of their faith, but it's also something that has turned dangerous for many, especially since the aftermath of 9-11. While Sikhs and Muslims are not the same religion, people have conflated the two, and the anti-Muslim attitudes in particular have led to violence towards both communities. There have been multiple stories of Sikhs being harassed, beaten, and killed by people just for wearing a turban. Turning it into some fashion accessory is beyond disrespectful, it's ignorant. Never mind the fact that the turban often represents equality. Selling it for an exorbitant price, as one person puts it, promotes the opposite of equality. Appropriation has been running rampant in the fashion industry for decades. And despite the constant calls that companies, especially big designers like Prada, Dolce & Gabbana, or Gucci just do better and not steal from other cultures and religions, they just can't seem to catch on. In fact, even before this, they had already been in hot water for something else, blackface. Something strange seemed to happen in the fashion industry in 2018 and 2019. Out of absolutely nowhere, there seemed to be a new style trend sweeping the industry, one that absolutely no one asked for. Prada had released a keychain, which they planned on advertising in their stores that reportedly looked like a monkey with a prominent red mouth. It was a stark similarity to the same imagery that had been used in the racist Sambo archetype for decades and one that was used in minstrel shows in the past. As you can probably imagine, that display didn't go over well, especially since they were selling the incredibly insulting keychain for $500. Obviously, this caused an outrage, and they decided to take it down and, of course, use the age old tactic of creating an advisory council to guide them in diversity, inclusion, and culture. Oddly enough, Gucci apparently saw this, noticed it, and just didn't seem to learn from this mistake because also in 2018, the CEO was relishing in the belief that he was the CEO of the best diversity-driven company there was. Now, they had come a long way from their beginning and were often revered for the diversity of their models, something that other fashion giants just seemed to refuse to do. But despite their creation of the Changemakers program, which was set up to help support social justice issues, Gucci was still incredibly out of touch, and that became painfully apparent when they decided to start selling a sweater that strongly, and I mean very strongly, resembled blackface. At first, the black turtleneck, which was pulled up around the wearer's face with a red outline around the lips, seemed to skirt past criticism. It had been on their website for months with no problem, selling for $900. Perhaps this is due to who primarily shops at Gucci, but I'll leave that alone for right now. Then suddenly the sweater was plastered all over social media and bam, instant outrage. It didn't help that the picture was suddenly appearing in February, which is Black History Month, making it seem like the company realized this at the worst possible moment around the same time that blackface and its history of it was a widespread conversation in the United States, thanks to a picture of Attorney General Mark R. Herring wearing blackface in college resurfacing. But it isn't just the timing of this that makes it awful. It's the fact that it existed in the first place. The design shown on a white model is just so blatantly problematic that it's hard to believe that they didn't realize it. Much like it's hard to believe that they didn't know it was a mistake to sell turbans and hijabs. Still in the middle of the calls to boycott the brand popping up throughout social media, the CEO tried to explain himself. He released a statement saying, we are coming from a different culture. We are Italian. We don't know all the cultural differences. While that may be true, it is understandable that people may not completely comprehend the nuances and history of racism in the United States. There are ways to avoid things like this from happening. Like, you know, asking that advisory board that they were hired in the first place to do to kind of help avoid these types of problems. Believe it or not, just merely hiring a board doesn't magically make your company more diverse and improve its ability to make better decisions. You actually have to listen to them for it to work. Or, you know, maybe hiring more people of color to be designers or share their input something the fashion industry is severely lacking in the first place. For example, in one of the unions for the industry, only 3% of their members are black. In 2019, during the Winter Fashion Week in New York, only 10% of the designers featured were black. The industry is drastically lacking in terms of diversity, and it shows, especially in situations like this. But Gucci did eventually apologize, even though the CEO followed that apology with some of those annoying comments that basically summed up to, I made a mistake, move on, fashion is about taking risks. And that at least rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sure it didn't go over well with other people either. To try to stop the issue from happening again, they did what every company does in these situations and hired yet another consultant. Who knows if they'll listen to this one, but I'm not gonna put my money on it. What makes this even more shocking is that Gucci would do this in the first place and the fact that out of the fashion giants, they are usually considered to be the one most open to diversity. Tom Ford jumpstarted the brand's diverse runways in the 90s through 2004 when he served as their creative director. Alessandro Michel cast diverse models in advertising after he took over in 2015. It seemed like they would be the last ones to do something like this and not notice, but here we are. Soon, Gucci turned to someone else to try and help address the problem an underground fashion legend whose relationship with Gucci has been formed after accusations that they had stolen his designs, Dapper Dan. They come in wanting to know what, what's in. Now, what's passe? Louis Vuitton is passe. Uh, Gucci is back in, Fendi is in. But what's mostly in is, like I say, is statement clothing, the red, green, and the black, you know, very political clothing. People. In the 1980s, hip hop was starting to take the U.S. by storm. The music, the culture, and the fashion were on full display. The fashion videos were often eclectic and full of clothes that made every fashion enthusiast green with envy. Suddenly it seemed like the same custom tailored jacket being worn by anyone who was anyone from rappers to basketball stars, even Mike Tyson wore one. They were multicolored with carefully tailored puffy sleeves embroidered with the symbols of some of the most elusive fashion brands logos. The only catch was you couldn't find any of them at any of the brand name stores, no. If you wanted these, you had to make your way over to Harlem to find Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan's custom made-to-order jackets swept the fashion world, and he quickly became a legend, living on even after the store closed, after a 10-year run in music videos and lyrics. But in 2018, his design seemed to magically reappear, this time on a Gucci runway. Fans were immediately and understandably confused. How did the counterfeit king's design spontaneously reemerge on a catwalk? When the pictures were released, people immediately called on Gucci to give credit where credit was due, to Dapper Dan, obviously. Teen Vogue ran a story with the headline that read, How the Fashion Industry Fails Black People, and Vice said the brand was ruining culture. Dapper Dan himself was even confused, especially since no one asked him if they could use his classic style or for input on the idea. He told the New York Times, I was very surprised, everyone was, it was a wild moment. He called the new Gucci jacket and his originals unmistakably similar, But as the world pointed this out as appropriation, Gucci shot back by saying it was instead appreciation. They claimed they wanted to recognize the design, not as stolen work from a creative legend, but as an homage. For anyone who gets this idea in the future, I would just like to say, you should probably ask the person before you put the design on the runway, not after. Just a suggestion though. But I will give some credit back to Gucci here as they eventually made the situation right. Soon, Dapper Dan, who had not released new designs since 1992, and Gucci would become business partners. This time, the creative genius wouldn't have to borrow the patterns to make his designs. They would be provided by Gucci itself. Luckily for the fashion empire, Dapper Dan hadn't taken offense to the new design, at least not publicly, and saw this new opportunity as exciting and a way to spread the fashion he loved and the culture he loved. When asked about the partnership, he told the New York Times, Let me tell you something. What I'm most excited about is being able to work in the open. At least in this instance of stolen art, it seems to have a bit of a happy ending. Even if Dapper Dan had to be the one to help set Gucci straight after the blackface sweater, something he should have never had to do. Following the controversy, he wrote on Twitter, "'I am a black man before I am a brand. Another fashion house has gotten it outrageously wrong. There is no excuse nor apology that can erase this kind of insult. The CEO of Gucci has agreed to come from Italy to Harlem to meet with me along with members of the community and other industry leaders. There cannot be inclusivity without accountability. I will hold everyone accountable." While their relationship is wonderful to see, and I'm happy the brand is open to hearing from designers and hopefully learning from their mistakes, this wasn't the only time Gucci had been accused of stealing other artists' designs. It's happened just a few other times. And before we get into more art theft, let's take a moment to thank today's sponsors. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything is that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offered premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, where's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense, there just isn't one. That's because Mint Mobile is the first company to sell wireless service online only. And they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings along to you. So Mint Mobile is gonna give you the best rate, whether you're buying for a family or just one. And at Mint, families start at just two lines. And all plans will come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. You can switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. So to get your new plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com casket. That's mintmobile.com casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com casket. Now, three weeks after Gucci was accused of stealing from the Harlem icon, they were once again accused by two other designers for stealing their designs, this time appearing on expensive T-shirts and tote bags. The two graphic designers from New Zealand and Australia claimed that their designs had been plastered on the Gucci runways. And while they had tried to reach out to the company for weeks, they had gotten no response. Stuart Smythe from New Zealand had started their own clothing brand, Civil Apparel Company, and painstakingly designed a logo that was to be placed on all of the clothing. It displayed a snake with a lightning bolt shooting out of its mouth. When Stuart saw what looked like their logo from their soon to be clothing line on a Gucci catwalk, they took to Instagram, writing that they had, copied not only the combination of elements together that create this logo, but when I overlay my snake illustration on top of the copy, the scales even line up perfectly. The company had been using snakes as a staple for quite some time, but honestly looking at the two designs, they do look remarkably similar. Still, Gucci refused to comment on it. Meanwhile, the other artist, Milan Chaguri, who works as a freelance illustrator with Stay Bold, an Australian brand, was also accusing the company of stealing their designs. In 2015, he designed a logo for White Tiger Tattoo Co., one that featured a lion in the middle perched on a rock with the company's name surrounding it. Gucci's was incredibly similar. The only difference was that the wording was changed. And the fact that it was a panther, not a tiger, that was kind of different too. But if you seriously look at the two, they are really, really spooky similar. Soon, thousands of comments appeared on Instagram begging for Gucci to respond to this allegedly stolen artwork, but no such luck. Instead, the company released a statement that read, the Gucci Cruise 2018 collection saw a continuation of Alessandro Michelle's exploration of faux real culture with a series of pieces playing on the Gucci logo under the themes of Guccification and Gucciify yourself. A creative exchange with street style and street vernacular using graphics and words that have been Gucciified, Gucci has defined itself through a series of creative collaborations that have arisen organically, symbolizing a generational shift. Also in this instance, we are now in direct contact with the respective talents. And that just seems like a lot of words to avoid taking responsibility. So basically the collection, which included the mock Dapper Dan jacket was built off of street artists or less well-known artist designs. They slapped Gucci on it and made it theirs. And I get it, you're inspired by art and you want to elevate it. That itself is not the problem. The problem is the way they're doing it without asking and without giving any of the original designers any credit. So Gucci, darling, babes. That's called stealing, that's a a no-no. You need to stop that. Gucci had reached out to the two designers after the fact to ask about future collaboration, but since they decided to steal the designs and not credit the artists and ignore reaching out to them for weeks, neither of them wanted to work with the brand and understandably so. Hopefully, Gucci and its continuous mistakes can serve as a warning for the future or for other fashion giants. If your company is worth billions of dollars, maybe you should treat your employees with dignity and respect. Maybe, just maybe, it's a good idea to consult with people whose cultures and religions you want to pay homage to. And working with other artists requires permission, usually some payment, and definitely credit. I feel like these are bare minimums. I feel like these are things that every company should just hold themselves up to as the standard, like that should be the bare minimum. I don't need to have a whole episode, like I shouldn't have to do this. Shouldn't have an episode being like, okay guys, I know you're a big company, but here's the bottom line. Here's like the basic bare minimum standard that you should reach and you didn't do this and that's bad. Like I shouldn't have to do that, but here we are. But hey, you live and you learn and hopefully Gucci has learned, though I kind of doubt it. I'm not really feeling too Gucci about Gucci. But with all of that being said, that is where I'm ending today's episode of the Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new here today. And if you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode and I will see you in the next one. Bye.